my name is Macy. And I am Nicole. You guys are listening to our very first episode of Buzz Killers. Killers. Really excited. The podcast where we drink wine and talk about spooky stuff. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so, as you guys know, if you've been watching our social media, this month's topic is, um, what is it? Hometown Murders. <laughs> we are Hometown yeah, Murders. We got Hometown Murders this month. Um, today, we're going to be going down um, to South Carolina, y'all. We're visiting some of Macy's stomping yeah. ground. Um, I moved down there for four years with my husband to um, get a master's degree. So I lived in Columbia for a long time. This case is not from Columbia, technically. But it is from Spartanburg, which is like two hours away, and it was a huge case actually while I was actually down there. Yeah, it happened I'm, happened while I was there, so it's kind of cool. It's a new, it's a newer case, happened in 2016. You guys probably know about it. Um, it's a guy named Todd Colehep. Um, he's real pos, <laughs> and um, yeah, we're gonna real. Yeah, he's great. So um. Yeah, we'll talk about this. I'll get down to uh, when, you know, he's arrested and stuff, and I can maybe talk about how I found out about this, because I have a lot of friends from Spartanburg, and that's, this was like a big case for them when it happened, mm. because, oh, I you know, everybody in town knew him, so that's really scary. What so, a, um... What a freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll get started here. Um <laughs> Todd Kohlhepp was born in March of 1971 in Florida, but he ended up being raised mostly in South Carolina and Georgia. Um, according to records, his relationship with his mother and stepfather was not good. Um, his parents had gotten divorced when he was a toddler, and so he lived a lot of his childhood years with his mother. Um, but apparently, they didn't have a good relationship, and... He didn't have a good relationship with the stepfather either, and so he kept asking to move in with his biological father, but he lived in Arizona, and they kept making excuses to not have this happen. Um, and for a while, when he was younger, he spent three and a half months in a Georgia psychiatric hospital as an inpatient because um, he had an inability to get along with other children. Oh. Um, okay. According to his mother, she did like an interview after he was arrested. Um, he like stabbed a girl on the bus with scissors, um, oh my god! And she was like, "Oh, it wasn't very hard." I was like, "Okay, you were yeah." Stabbed with a pair of scissors, it doesn't have to be hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then um, uh, there was a time where he also took a claw hammer to like all of his furniture in his house um, because he wanted to move in with his biological father. And his mother said, "Oh, you have all." This is her excuse for this. It was just kind of stupid. It was like, "Oh, you have all new furniture in your room. I just bought you all new furniture." So you can't move in with your dad. So he destroyed he just it. Destroyed he just everything. Destroyed everything. So, oh, he, like demon. I said, like I said, he's a little piece of shit. Um, <laughs> even from as young age. Um, and then eventually his mother couldn't just not take it anymore, and he moved in with his biological far- father in Tempe, Arizona, um, in 1983. Um, his first known ever criminal act happened on November 25th. 1986 and you're gonna notice through like this whole story he likes november he loves november everything happens in november 
It's kind of weird. Is, but it, is that like, is there a reason behind that? I don't, not that he said, but I, it's like this crime and then later crimes all happen in November. Okay. It's cool. kind of weird. I don't know if it's like his trigger month or something, but you know, he's triggered in the month of November. <laughs> Halloween spooks him out. He just goes wild in November. <laughs> spook spook. Spook spook motherfucker. Okay. So when he was 15 years old, he was living um, with his father in Tempe, Arizona, and he lured a 14-year-old girl out from her house while she was babysitting her siblings. Um, he told her a boy that she liked was outside, and he led her to an empty alley where he pulled out a gun. Dear Lord. Um, <laughs> he walked her back to his home, tied her up with rope, covered her mouth with duct tape, and raped her. Oh. Um, while she was there, um, oh, and mind you, I watched the documentary from um, Investigation Discovery ID okay. about this um, whole case. It's really long, but it's really good. Um, I'm not going to use this girl's name. She only uses her first name in the actual show. I just don't yeah. feel any reason to really use her name. She doesn't want to be identified. Yeah. Um, but she says this whole encounter with Todd when he raped her, he was very, um, you know, fumbling, very awkward. You mm. could kind of tell that, like, this was his first time trying to do this. Um Jeez. But she, she mentions that a couple of times there. Um, and while she's at uh, Todd's house, while this is happening, her brother happens to wake up because both her siblings had been in bed. She had been babysitting her siblings. Oh. And um, he wakes up and he becomes really concerned because he can't find his older sister. And so he calls the police. What a good um, little brother. So while, uh, while she's getting raped by Todd, they see police, you know, lights and hear sirens and stuff. And so Todd becomes really you know, agitated, and somehow um, she convinces him to let her go. Somehow she gets out of this. He had said, oh, I'm going to kill you, and then she was like, please don't, and I don't... She said she would lie to her parents, and... Oh, my God. But that doesn't end up happening, so... Good for her. Anyway, um, (laughs) so her parents are home by this point with the police, with her siblings looking for her. She arrives back at home, and at first, like I said, she lies, says that she had been looking for a lost dog with Todd and da 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 But her father eventually um, gets it out of her and she tells him what happened. The police go over to Ted's house where he's immediately arrested and his first comment to them is, how much am I gonna get for this? Like, how much time am I gonna get for this? Oh my like, God! That's the first thing you say. You don't even deny it. You're just, just like, like hmm, well, yeah, well, I'm uh, caught, so you know whatever. What's gonna happen now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, they arrest him and he's charged with kidnapping, sexual assault, and committing a dangerous crime against children. In 1987, he pleads guilty for the kidnapping, and other uh, charges are dropped. Everything is everything else is dropped. The sexual assault. Everything. He just gets charged with kidnapping. Like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. And so he's sentenced to 15 years, but he doesn't go to juvie. He goes to adult prison because, remember, he's 15 at this point. Oh, okay. He goes to adult prison, not juvie. (laughs) So they obviously, uh, you know, thought he was a piece of shit, too. Yep. Um, (laughs) So according to court records, um, he was uh, diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, but he has an IQ of 118, which is uh, considered above average. So he's real fucking smart. Yeah. Um, And while he is, you know, in custody back in um, 1986 when the crime first happens, they do a uh, psychological eval on him. And there's some claims that come out from family members and stuff that, um, you know, he shot a a dog with a BB gun. He poured bleach into a goldfish container. Um, And but here's the thing is Todd easily explains all of this stuff away. So, 
you know, oh, the bleach in the goldfish container, I was trying to clean it. And all of this stuff happens (laughs) when he's younger, so, like, it could be just seen as, like, a childish lark. You know, yeah. like, you know, I've, I mean, I've known kids who kill goldfish and stuff by accident, accident. all the time. So, like, he complained, he says that the neighbor's dog was actually killed by a neighbor, or the dog was actually shot by the neighbor. Like, so all of this stuff gets God. easily explained away. And so the FBI has, like, doubts as to whether there's evidence of homicidal, tri- of the homicidal triad yeah. in his younger years. So, like, if there is no, indeed, no evidence of that, because a lot of this stuff is never, like, documented in, like, like you know, no police records are about, like, the dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, if there's no evidence of the homicidal triad, that would make him, like, a very interesting serial killer. Yeah. Because that's, like, a big thing for them is, like, the harming of animals and da 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 I think that he did this stuff on purpose. I, I think but he did, too. Whatever authorities are I mean, kind of iffy. Kid, I mean, I'm not like a kid you know, who willingly destroys all of his brand new furniture so he can go live with, with his, his dad. It seems father. a little mess. Like I feel like he's the kind of kid that also would purposely pour bleach in his goldfish bowl. Yeah, <laughs> that's just me. Just, you know, you know, maybe who knows. Um, but anyway, while he's in uh, jail, he um, he attends Central Arizona College and he gets his bachelor's in computer science. Um, and so, like I said, he is there for a long time. Um, like they sentenced him to 15 years. And when he gets out in August of 2001, he returns home to South Carolina. Cause like I said, his mom was living in South Carolina, Georgia. Mm-hmm. His dad was in Arizona. Yeah. So he returns to South Carolina and he registers as a sex offender, a level three sex offender. Let's just put that out there. Level three sex offender is someone who is most likely to commit a crime. Again. Again. So oh. let's just uh, talk about that for a second. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, um, <laughs> so while he is in South Carolina, he works as a gra- graphic designer briefly because he has a computer science degree. Um, and then he eventually attends University of South Carolina Upstate, which is not my alma mater, but it is a, <laughs> uh, like a, branch, it is a branch of my alma mater <laughs> because um, the big campus of University of South Carolina is in um, Columbia, which is mid-state. Wow. Um, so he attends that in 2004, and he um, graduates in 2008 with a bachelor's in business administration marketing. Um, and here's the k- kicker. And... Um, <laughs> June of 2006, he gets a real estate license, um, which is crazy. And he ends up having a very successful real estate business. Um, But here's the thing. He lied about his criminal history. So he had to do, he had to um, uh, disclose that he had been, he had committed a crime, been uh, charged with a felony. And he says that the rape was a, <laughs> a boyfriend girlfriend thing what? That, that got misconstrued. Um, um no. And in 2000 no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> in 2006 though, there were there was no law for background checks for real estate agents. Uh, so they were just going off his word. And uh, that's why. <laughs> so that's real um that's real fucked. Um so anyway, he creates um, are you okay? <laughs> I just heard you. Your foot. Bang my leg on the table. Uh, boom. It's good. Um, anyway, so he launches this really su- successful real estate business. He becomes a real estate broker. 
Um, he ends up buying multiple properties, um, including 95 acres in Woodruff, South Carolina, which will become very important later on. So remember, 95 acres. He is also a um, amateur pilot. That also is important later um, because he says that he has committed other crimes other places. Um, so that's important. And here's a funny thing. Um, he's a huge fan of Amazon at this time. Um, and he leaves over 140 Amazon reviews for knives, guns, and tactical gear. What? Um, and this is through, this is mostly through 2014, 2016, so I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But I just think it's, like, really interesting, because he leaves all of these things, and he's like, well, I haven't stabbed anyone yet, dot, 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 yet. Like, it's creepy! Like, how did somebody not figure out that this is happening? Oh, my God! This is, like, Luke Magnata in Don't Fuck With Cats. Like, how does somebody not say anything about this? He is putting Amazon reviews up, and it's obviously, like, there's a little shovel, and he's like, oh take this shovel when you forgot your big one and you need to dispose of a body. Like, what the fuck? Oh my Seriously. god. Okay, so he's a huge fan of Ooh. Amazon. Um, he also patronizes a local Waffle House, guys. I don't know if you've ever been to Waffle House. It's amazing. And it is a chain in South Carolina. Well, in the, in the South. Yeah. And it's like, you can get a, a meal for $5 and it's the most amazing, probably the worst for you breakfast food you can ever have in your life. That sounds amazing. But it's good. Um, <laughs> whatever. I've never been to a Waffle House. Oh, you should go to a Waffle House. Everybody, go to a Waffle House. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Wine. Um, anyway, he patronizes this Waffle House a lot. And his behavior at the Waffle House makes people so uncomfortable that because he is they also say, and I think I put this later in my notes, but I'll say it now too. He is like really weird about pornography. He watches it at work. He has no problem telling people that he does that at work. He is what? gross. So people That's were, and nasty. even as a kid, even as a kid, they're saying that he like had a like an odd interest in pornography like as, uh, as a kid like as a kid that's weird like that who really knows about weird. pornography when they're like under 15 I don't know um <laughs> seriously though but anyway all the waitresses become so uncomfortable at this wait at this waffle house because he's gross I would be and too. he's a sex offender um so a male cook has to begin taking his order and at this waffle house is where he meets Megan Coxie who is one of his um victims later on so it's important oh. that um that details in there. Mm. This is where he meets her. So, right after he gets out, because I said it's like 2001, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 2003. I'm going to talk about this case. They're called the Superbike Murders. And it happened years almost to the day. Ooh. Crazy. Because he confesses to it very shortly after November 3rd in 2016. Wow. So, long time. So here is what Todd says happened. He, because like I said, all these people are dead. Mm-hmm. We don't know really what went on with that. So all we have is Todd's word to go off of. He said that he bought a bike, a motorcycle from motor um, from Superbike Motorsports um, early on in 2003. And, um, well, actually they say seven months before this happened. Um, he has some trouble riding it it's a little too big for him um mm. you can you notice in like later video like later photos and videos he's a bigger guy mm-hmm. but this is when he just got out of prison so he's oh. very thin 
Yep. So having a very, and I'm like, my husband has a motorcycle. Yeah. So having a very large motorcycle can be hard to maneuver, especially if it's heavy and you are not that, like, heavy. <laughs> like, yep. if you are a skinny person and you don't weigh that much and you're trying to, you know, move around a however many thousand pound bike, that's not as easy. <laughs> I, I but, very much watched my boyfriend dump your husband's motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys. Well, <laughs> our husbands are best friends and they are very lucky that, um, well, husbands, my husband, her boyfriend. My boyfriend. <laughs> um, I say husbands, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but they, they're very lucky that yeah. they're significant others like each other and have started a podcast. Uh-huh. So we can leave them alone to play, uh, Call of Duty for a while. Yep. <laughs> and play piano. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but I hope you can't because there is piano. Though. There's piano in the background. <laughs> um, anyway, so he calls the staff and is trying to explain that he's having a hard time riding this bike. Da, 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 da. So apparently the staff makes fun of him at, at, for not being able to ride this bike. And when he asks um, for a refund, they're like weird about it. I'm not really sure. That's odd. 14 days after he makes this purchase, and this is, he doesn't have a home yet. He's living in a, um, an apartment complex called the Heart, um, the Hunt Club Apartments. Sorry. Um, he has his bike outside of the, of the apartment complex, and 14 days later after buying it, it's stolen. Oh. It's stolen. Um, and somehow Todd magically knows that it was the staff at Motorbike. That's what he says, that the people at Motorbike stole my bike because they made fun of me and I wanted a refund. Like, this is his reasoning for all of this. So it's kind of <laughs> stupid. I don't know how he magically knows they stole the bike, but they stole it. And there, and let's just make this clear, there is no evidence. Zero evidence that, <laughs> that they had anything question. to do with this bike. Zero evidence. It seems like they were very nice people yeah. and probably did not do any of this. Yeah. And probably was just Todd's perceived hurt yep. over this situation. Anyway, um, he returns to the shop um, on on November 6, 2003 to um, purchase a new bike, quote-unquote. Another customer arrives, so there's a witness, Mm -hmm. um, around the time that Todd is there to pay for a go-kart, but he leaves by 3 o'clock, and Mm -hmm. Todd is still there. He says that as he's leaving, that 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 guy, because he doesn't know it's Todd at this point, is still there when he leaves. Okay. Um, uh, So... Chris Sherbert, um, his, and people like to call him Shuby. <laughs> so I'll call, I'll call him Shuby. Um, uh, Shuby is the mechanic, and he um, takes the bike um, into the back to tune it up before he takes before Todd can drive it away. Um, while uh, Shuby is in the back, you know, fixing things up, Todd shoots him, and he's the first to be killed. Oh. Um, Beverly Guy, who is the owner of the store's mother is the second to die. She hears the, the gunshots Aww. and she comes back to the to the shop to see what's happening. And she gets shot. Um, and then Brian Lucas and Scott Ponder are the last two to be shot and they are shot as they try to escape out the front door. Oh. Um, and all four of them are dead by 3.13. Wow. By 3.13. In 13 minutes, minutes. he manages to commit like a mass murder. Four murders. Jeez. So, um, <laughs> and I think, okay, so Scott Ponder is the owner of the shop. Beverly mm. Guy is his mother. She was her, she was their bookkeeper. Okay. Um, Shuby, like I said, is the mechanic, and Brian Lucas is the manager of the shop. Okay. Um, so 
And they're, like, the only ones that really work there. Mm. Um, don't know why he chose to kill the mother. Yeah. Wrong place, wrong, wrong time. Wrong time. I, that's what he says. Wrong place, wrong time. Mm. He said he couldn't leave her to be a witness. Yeah. So, da, da, da. Anyway. So, the witness in the shop who left at 3 o'clock, his name is Kelly Sisk, and he made a composite sketch of this guy. Um... They draw it, and but and he voices concern with the sketch. He doesn't think that it really looks like what he said the guy looked like, but they distrib- the police distributed it anyway wow. without okay. doing another one. Eventually, in 2012, um, Kelly Sisk gets an- another sketch to be made, um, but he says he could have identified Todd if he had been shown a picture. Like, okay. if he had been shown a picture of this guy, he would have known. known it was him. He would have known it was him because he got a good enough look. Um, uh, Todd claims that when he shot all of them, he shot them multiple times as, like, you know, they're going out the door. Yeah. And there's a point where he reloads and da-da-da-da-da. Um, that he came back once he had shot them all and shoots them all again in the forehead post-mortem. That's what he claims. Um, there were head wounds Mm -hmm. found on all of the bodies, but they're not shot in the forehead. They're not shot directly in the forehead. So, that's an interesting detail, um, but, you know, he's confessing to this 13 yeah. years later. So, it's possible that he doesn't remember certain things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, there are thir- things from 13 years ago that I probably can't How remember. off was he? Like, was it like, oh, I shot them, like, in the forehead and he really shot them in, like, the mouth or something? They or? weren't really specific, but okay. it definitely was, like, here, like, like on the temple and the back of the head, like, so there okay. were definitely head wounds, but yeah. I'm not sure why he would say they were directly in the forehead, forehead. if that's not... Why, yeah. where they were. I'm not, I'm not really sure exactly where everybody like had that. overly one. specific. Yeah, yeah. Very specific detail that yeah. didn't end up being true. true. So, that's mm. strange. Um, and like, I'm gonna say this now. His memory seems to be a little off, mm-hmm. but he knows very specific details that no one but the killer would know. Very okay. specific types of bullets. Um, okay. and at one point he says, oh, okay, I shot these three people with this specific type of bullet and I reloaded and mm-hmm. then I shot the last guy with this specific type of bullet. Yeah. Um, it ends up being that he shot the first two with a specific type and then the last two with a different type. Mm-hmm. So people were kind of like, that's off too. That's yeah. weird. But he knows exactly the type of bullets. And I wrote them down somewhere, but I don't know anything about bullets. But they, he said they're like, super shock or or something like that so when they shoot you it's like your body goes into shock because it's like the the, the penetrating force is. of the impact is so catastrophic that Oof. there's no there's nothing it just like takes you down it takes so, you down and you're you can't even breathe it's down anyway um so yeah um scott ponder who was the owner of the shop this is a really sad detail um, he and his wife had confirmed that his wife was pregnant um, on November 4th, which was uh, two days before uh, oh he God. was killed. That's so that's awful. really sad. Um, so oh. their son never gets to know his father, which is really sad. Um, and then later, his wife is, and her name is Melissa, Melissa Ponder. Later, she's accused of murdering him. Of murdering her what? her husband. Yeah, this is... Okay, and let's, let me talk to you about this. <laughs> because there are a lot of times in this case where I'm like, these cops drop the ball. They just drop oh the ball. So, um, she was accused Ugh. of murdering him. The police, after he's murdered, 
like, so she finds out when she's pre- that she's pregnant uh-huh. with her child very shortly before uh, he dies. And then later on, they're still trying to solve this case. She says she comes into the into the, pol- the police precinct. She says the kid is, like, maybe six months old, maybe a little younger. Mm-hmm. They steal a fucking diaper that she threw away in their bathroom. They are literally so desperate to find out who did this that they steal this diaper and they DNA test it to make sure that this baby is his. Is his. Oh, that's and funny. here's the kicker. This is crazy. Oh. So they DNA, they DNA test it. They call her and they say, um, Scott is not the father of your baby. What? They say, we have blood evidence that says that Scott is not the father of your baby. And she's like, fuck it all. That's not right. So they perform a new DNA test. And it still says that there is somebody else that's the father. And it's saying that Brian Lucas, who is the manager, is her is the father of the baby. My cat is crawling around, guys. <laughs> Go away. She likes my computer. She, likes she to wants sit on to it. be up here. <laughs> anyway, so what ends up happening, what they figure out happening is that Brian Lucas and Scott Ponder's um, blood samples were mislabeled at the lab. And so they think this whole time that she is pregnant by somebody else, but it's really Scott, but... and It's their own fault. Yeah, what is that? Hold on. Something's... Um, so, like like I said, they... The police really dropped the ball. Seriously. Um, they mis... Well, I mean, the police didn't mislabel at the, at the lab. That's the lab's fault. But do a little more checking up. Like, that's yeah. just a little... That's not crazy and another thing that's really sad because i said that you know them finding about the baby was sad um shuby's family um finds out about his death in the newspaper nobody (gasps) even bothers to contact them oh my god yeah crazy that's awful and they find out the same way that todd is arrested for this mass murder Oh. Nobody bothers to contact them either time. And tell them. And it's real fucked, guys. That's terrible. Like, why would you do that? That's that really shitty. Is more than just dropping the ball. That is just <laughs> exactly. So, um, after the superbike case happens, and nobody really knows what happened, they can't. They don't. Like I said, no DNA, no fingerprints. They don't know what is happening. Um. They bring in John Douglas, who is, like, if you guys watch Mindhunter, it's kind of based on him. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't use the same names, but it's based on him. Um, And he's an FBI agent. And so he created a profile for the Superbike Killer. Um, He said that he was mission-oriented. There was no specific target at the shop. Um, It was a statement against the shop. Their murder was a statement against the shop. It was for revenge and retaliation, and it was likely committed by a disgruntled customer. Wow. And here is what uh, he said. It was definitely not a robbery because there was a deposit in a brief case of $10,000 that was left there untouched. Oh, wow. Nothing was taken from the shop. Money, nothing. So it was purely, like, mission. I'm going to kill these people. I don't care about anything else. And he hit the nail on the head with Mm -hmm. that. That's, wow. He did. It's crazy. Um... So later on, you know, like I said, this is a cold case for a long time. Um, Brian Lucas's mother obtains a customer list from Superbike. Um, and the list has names that are highlighted if they have some sort of criminal background. Every single list of customers. Whoa. Or a list of every single customer. Sorry. Guys, the wine. <laughs> Woo! Um, so Todd's name is highlighted. But police only looked at customers who had purchased a bike in the last 90 days. 
from the from the you know the crime. So it happened on November sixth, ninety days prior to that, and he had bought his bike seven months prior. Oh, so they never even looked at him, but his name was on that, and they ended up sending letters later on to some of the people on that list that were farther back, and they were like, hey, if you know anything about this, please tell us. No one's gonna fucking do that. Todd never answers. And they're, like, police, um, or they're sheriff now. Um, yeah, they're sheriff. Um, Spartanburg sheriff. He says that, um, oh, well, he never, you know, responded to the letter. Of course he's not gonna respond to the letter. Yeah, duh. He's Did gotten you... away with it for how many fucking years? Oh, well, let me just send this back and be like, oops, yep, guilty. Sorry. Mm, yes, I did this, my B. No, he doesn't give a shit. He's not gonna do that. Um, okay, so now we are going to jump a long time. Nothing supposedly happens with Todd Cole for that whole 13 years. I think that's total bullshit. He says that there is other victims, and I'm inclined to believe him, and I'll get into that later. Um, I'm inclined to believe him. So, but as of right now, there's no evidence of other victims. Mm -hmm. So we're going to jump all the way to 2015. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Long time. But I don't know what happened to him, but then he's doing his, uh, he's doing his thing. Um, so now we're going to talk about John and Megan Cox, or, what am I talking? yeah, John and Megan Coxie. Um, I was like, wait, <laughs> I have it switched on my paper, so I was like, something's wrong. Um, so they were last seen on December 18th, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, her, um, Megan's mother bails her out of jail because she's, re- um, arrested for neglect um, Johnny and Megan have two children and one of their babies, that, this is not funny. I don't know why I just left. Sorry. One of their babies tests positive for heroin and is removed from, oh and is removed from her care. And so she is arrested for neglect. Um, and so this whole time when they're, when they are gone, they disappeared, they're missing. Mm-hmm. The police portray them as drifters, which is not true. Um, Johnny and Megan were living with Megan's grandmother, telling mm. to take care of her, but because of, you know, issues in their personal lives, they aren't taken, their families aren't taken seriously, that That's this is, awful. that this is, like, they're missing. Mm-hmm. You know, people are like, mm, they just ran away. Yeah. But that's not the truth. Um, they, uh, her family says that they even tried to have Megan's phone pinged, um, but the police told her no. They said that because... They said it was because an inva- it was because of an invasion of Megan's privacy. It would be an invasion of her privacy. And her mom was like, "Well, I pay for the phone." Like, yeah. And they refused to do it. And they didn't ping her phone until after Todd was arrested. And then they found out that that's where they've been the whole time. So I'm getting. I'm telling you guys, they dropped the fucking ball. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Hell. Um. They were hired in 2015 to clean Todd's properties. Like I said, real estate broker, that's what he does for a living. And so they get hired to clean all of the houses up for sale, their rental properties, mm-hmm. things like that. Real estate does more than just selling houses, people. <laughs> anyway, um, so they're hired and by him to clean the properties. And he told the Coxies that he was a real estate agent named Chris. And this is why authorities never suspected that it was him. Um, because... Oh, okay. They, that's what her family said. Oh, it's a real estate agent named Chris, and they couldn't find any sort of link to that. Oh, um, so they arrive at his ninety-five acre property in in rural South Carolina, and I'm telling you guys, there's nothing on this thing. There's like a garage, and 
the shipping container, which we'll talk about later. Oh. And I'm sure if you guys know this case at all, you know the shipping container. And I'm sure if you didn't know this case, you know it now. Shipping container is a big thing. It's the one piece of this case I know. That everybody is like, oh, it's that guy with the shipping container. Oh, my anyway, God. Anyway, um, so this, this 95 acres is just vast forest and field that has basically nothing on it and um, is fenced around. So they show up at the property to clean and Todd claims that um, Johnny pulled out a knife to um, steal from him. That's what he claims, is that Johnny pulled out a knife and said like, we're gonna, you know, hurt you if you don't give us money. Mm -hmm. So he shoots Johnny twice in the chest and then comes around once he's fallen onto the ground and shoots him once in the spine. And oh. Johnny is dead. Um, and Megan obviously is having a fucking panic attack. Like, shit. what the fuck are you doing? Oh, shit. Um, zero to 80 real fast. <laughs> real serious. And so he puts Megan in the shipping container because uh, he says that he doesn't know what to do with her. And so he tells her if she calms down, He'll give her money and release her out of state. He, he will release her somewhere. Um, and she's held captive for a week. So, like I said, they went missing on the 18th, and she's held captive for a week. And he opens the shipping container one day. And I don't, I don't know if I believe this. Mm-hmm. Somehow she has, and he, I, I don't know. <laughs> Somehow she has burned something in the shipping container. Like, lit something on fire, and it's smoking out when he opens the shipping container. Okay. And that's when he decides, fuck you, I'm gonna kill you. And he then shoots her in the head on Christmas Day, or the 26th. They can't really pinpoint when it happened. There was a lot of decay, you guys. They were missing for 11 months. And nobody knew what happened to them for almost a year. Um, They were the last two... um, bodies to be found when eventually you know they go to his property and investigate Mm -hmm. and they were only identified by their extensive tattoos um and they ended up finding john and um megan's bodies buried across from the shipping container okay where they eventually find this other girl so oh please the shipping container is not over with Mm -mm. it continues that's his favorite thing to use Okay. It's as bad as the toy box killer. Oh my god, guys. We will, we will cover that at we one will point. Cover but that I don't one. know if I can cover that. Uh, that was going to be a long one. Ooh, that one freaked me out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so now we're going to jump to 2016. And these are the um, two victims that he is kind of not no- most known for, but the ones that kind of kicked off the inv- investigation on him. Yeah. And their names are Kayla Brown and Charlie Carver. And the last day that they were seen was um, August 31st, 2016. They were hired by Todd to clear brush from his 95-acre property in Woodruff, South Carolina. Um, Later on in the investigation, they discover Facebook messages between Kayla and Todd, which indicate there may have been some sort of relationship prior to her kidnapping. Um, and it indicates that, that there is probably some sort of sexual um, component to their relationship, which is interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. That's, I um, know that. 
Anyway, um, like I said, there's messages from the 22nd of August, 10 days before the incident, um, where there's like hint, hints at sexual um, content. Um, and it, it implies that Kayla is cheating on Charlie, um, who is her boyfriend at the time. Hmm. Um, Todd said that they're, they had like a relationship a year prior to all of this happening. I don't know how they met. Um, but Kayla has never said anything about this, um, as far as I'm aware. Has never said anything about this publicly. Okay. Um, so we'll see. Anyway, their last known data on their phones um, shows them spending the afternoon at Todd's property. Um, but we won't find that out until later. Because um, oh, wow. they are held captive for, or she is held captive for 60-something days. Wow. Um, and seven to, days, 7 to 10 days after their disappearance, um, they have an apartment and together, and the apartment manager discovers Charlie's ex-wife, Nikki, at their apartment, and she has his laptop, like, underneath his, like, his, her arm. And I'm telling you, this is, like, doesn't really have to do with Todd, but it's just weird that all this, like, all of this is happening kind of at the same time, and yeah. it just seems suspicious. Um, weird posts start to go up on Charlie's wall, on his Facebook, um, and then on the 31st of August, Nikki posts on her personal page, rest in peace to my husband, yada, yada, yada. Weird. And that is the day he dies. Really? So that's weird, right? What? It's weird. It's weird. Um, that's crazy. And according to uh, Todd, Nikki was not involved in any of his crimes at all. But I just think it's very strange. Yeah. That she wrote, rest in peace to my husband on the day he died. Anyway, um, it's weird. Later, she tries to um, call the cell, the cell phone company to obtain Charlie's phone records and then impersonates an officer. No, no criminal charges have ever been filed against her, but she has been charged with impersonating an officer. Okay. So, but it's very strange. But anyway, they claim that Todd has Todd claims that she has nothing to do with it. Um, Interesting. After they ping the phones on November third, mm-hmm. November again, November. big big thing. He likes November. November third is when. It, their um their phones are pinged and they show that their last known whatever is at todd's house so um they obtained uh, the police obtained a warrant to search todd's property um and while they're searching for kayla and charlie they did not think that they were going to find them alive and either of them alive Mm -hmm. um but while they're at they also they're at the property but then they're also at his home too Uh and his home is in spartanburg and um, they serve, they tell him that they're serving him a warrant for his home, his car, his properties. Um, and he tells the police that Kayla was on his property on the 31st of um, August for an hour, which is total crap because the cell phone data proves that they had been there all fucking afternoon. Oh, okay. So they were like, mm, that's not true. We know that's not true. Anyway. So on November uh, November third, two thousand sixteen, Kayla is rescued after after being in captivity for sixty five days. Um, she hears noises outside of the shipping container, which is where she's being held. Um, I'm not telling you exactly what happened yet because there's a, there's a reason I'm not telling you exactly mm-hmm. what happened right there yet. Um, so guys, don't worry, you'll know what happened. It's coming. Um, it's coming. It's coming. Um, she hears noises outside of the shipping container and she takes a chance. 
that it's not Todd. And she starts banging and screaming on the container. And officers hear her and they, and they cut the locks off the shipping container. And Kayla is found chained by her neck to the back of the shipping container. And um, the, uh, the sheriff in Spartanburg's quotes, and this is like a big quote, says that she was chained up like a dog. Um, Todd claims that, um, so, so, okay, let me step back a little. When they are rescuing her, guys, you can watch this video on YouTube. It is crazy. You can watch them rescuing her. It's literally nuts. Um, it's the one, they, one part of this thing I saw. You sent, yeah. me, you sent me one article and I didn't want to read too much into it. I wanted you to tell me everything, but I watched the video of them rescuing her. Yeah, it's scary. And when they say she's chained like a dog, she's literally chained she's like a dog. She's chained like she around like a, her neck. Around her neck. She has like a collar on. Yeah. Um, and it's padlocked to the back of, uh, or to her and um, it's like tied to the back of the shipping container somehow. Mm -hmm. um, and they end up cutting her off and um, they ask her, hey, where's your friend? And she says, who? Charlie? And they say, yeah, where's Charlie? And she says that Charlie was shot three times in the chest. Mm-hmm literally the day they get there, August 31st, mm -hmm. they are there for not very long. And again, Todd says that Charlie was going to attempt to steal from him. Um, so he is shot three times in the chest and he wraps him in a blue tarp and took him in a tractor to be buried. Um, eventually, Todd tells them or shows them, I'm not really sure, it, it like something said they showed him and something said that he's told them yeah so i'm not sure if he drew like a map or if he actually went he to the property um but he she says kayla says that todd showed her the property once once he had buried charlie somewhere mm -hmm. um and he shows her all the burial sites on the property to scare her into submission wow um her first two weeks in captivity her ankles are cuffed she's handcuffed behind her back and she has the chain around her neck he would arrive between 1 and 3 p.m. and 5 and 7 p.m. every day. He would feed her in the garage, which is not, it's a separate building from the shipping container. Um, he would perform sexual acts with her and then take her back to the container. Um, she said, he, she said if she said no to the sexual acts, he would force, um, he would not force himself on her because he didn't believe in rape. But if, <laughs> but if she quote unquote wasn't useful anymore, she wouldn't be kept any longer. That's what he said to her. Um, he also told her that if she was a good girl, he would train her how to kill so she could be his accomplice. Oh my gosh, um, she's not a dog, Jesus. Yeah, like crazy. <laughs> no, we train this person. Um, <sighs> Lord. He told, um, he told Kayla that he had dreams of a kill number in the three digits and said that it was in the high two digits when he was with her, kidnapping her. Wow. Um... And then he also told her about the coxie, killing the coxies and killing the people at the superbike. Wow. Um, Charlie's grave was found on November 5th, um, not far from the shipping um, container, but not near the shipping container. It was close to his shooting targets, which I thought was weird. That is weird. Um, and a second hole had already been dug, possibly for Kayla. That's what he infers in his um, interrogation, which you can also watch on YouTube. 
if you like this case, I would suggest it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear what he talks about. Yeah. He's very forthcoming. You said it's like two hours long, It's right? long. <laughs> it's yeah. a long time. Um, so they find um, Charlie, and he's and he's at the sec- this other hole by the, um, the shooting targets. And uh, when his body was recovered, he's missing his feet and his shoes. Like his feet. Just his feet? His feet are gone. Um, when they ask Todd about this... This is fucked up, guys. When he, they asked Todd about this, he says, My mother told me to never play with my food. Like, what the fuck? What? Yes. He does not <laughs> like talking about the detail that the feet are missing. Does not like talking about it. And he later denies that he removed the feet at all. What? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and they asked the medical examiner, were the feet removed during the, the exhumation of the bodies from their mm-hmm. graves? Um, and they said that, no, they were not removed. They were gone when They he were was... gone when they were found. They were gone when they were found. Oh. And what's an interesting thing is I haven't talked about them finding the coxies yet, um, but it's only the male victims whose feet are missing. So Johnny Coxie and Charlie Carver, not, not Megan Coxie, Obviously not Kayla. She's yeah. alive. But only the males have their feet missing. Do they ever find, like, either, like, even nope. the shoes? Nope. Wow. They don't know where they are. That's... And he oh, won't talk about weird. it. He won't talk about it. Okay. So, when they find Kayla, there are also investigators in his, at his home in uh, Spartanburg. And um, they're talking to him, and they mm-hmm. say... That you can also watch this video. Um, they say it's all on body cam and stuff. They, um, they say, we found Kayla. And he tries to act dumb. What are you, what are you talking about? And they said, we found Kayla. We know you've had her. Mm-hmm. So he kind of knows the jig is up. They arrest him. And like I said, they have this big, long, two-hour confession tape where mm-hmm. he talks to them. Um, obviously, he, con- he confesses to killing Charlie Carver and holding Kayla Brown. Yeah. Captive. Oh, can't talk. Captive. But he also confesses to killing the Coxies and the Superbike killings in 2003. When he confesses, they don't know that he has the Coxies. Mm-hmm. Or that he had the Coxies. Yeah. And so that's when they ping their phones. That's when they find their bodies. It's really sad because wow. they're the last ones to be found after he already has confessed. Wow. Um. Uh, da, 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 let me see here. Oh, yeah. I think they do bring him to the property. Sorry, guys. I said maybe he meet him up. I think he does. He brings, um, they bring him to the property. He shows them where the coxies are buried. Like I said, right across from the shipping container. Okay. Um, investigators believe that the men in these scenarios, especially with the coxies and with Kayla Brown and, Car- and Charlie Carver, mm-hmm. that um, the men were in the way. That he saw sexual objects out of these women and the men were in the way and he needed to kill them in order to, you know, have his weight with he them. Cut their feet off so their dead bodies couldn't get up and run. Yeah, <laughs> like what? What do you mean, like zombies? I mean, I don't think this is like a Lori Vallow situation, which is what we also cover because guys, their day that they said the world was going to end has come and gone, and uh-huh. nothing has happened. Anyway, <laughs> unless we're all living in a dream. Yes, <laughs> different, different case. Um, so Kayla is around, is allowed to write letters this whole time. Like, Todd thinks that this is some, like, magic, wonderful thing that he's done for her. It's the ability to write letters. and But they're to him, so it's weird. It's oh, not to, like, really other weird. people. Anyway, but in her in her letters, 
she writes that he's a killer with a conscience and a kidnapper with morals. Guys, I never got to actually read these letters. They are not out oh, not to be read. Um, oh. She does not want people reading them. Um, so I'm not going to give specific things. Mm. Um, I got lost. Here we go. Um, so I'm not really sure what killer with a conscience, kidnapper with morals is. I mean, I know he said that he doesn't believe in rape, even though he raped somebody. So that's crazy. But in the, in his confession tape, you guys, if you watch this, you'll hear him. He fucking brags the whole damn time. He has told Kayla all about his murders. Mm-hmm. He brags about being a serial killer and a mass murderer to her. Oh my god! In his interview, he says, "My golf game is weak, but my killing game is strong." Oh, pff. okay. And then specifically about Superbike, he says, "I cleared that building in under thirty seconds. You would have been proud." That's what he says to investigators. Like, why the fuck would they be proud that you killed four people in 30 <laughs> you seconds? You would have been proud. Like, that's really fucked. Jeez. Um, when they raid his property, they find, like, over 20 illegally purchased firearms of varying types, which were pur- purchased by a man named Dustin Lawson. He, when you have a felony, you're not allowed to buy weapons, weapons of any kind. Yeah. And so, um, he, Dustin Lawson didn't have any criminal records, so he bought them legally and then sold them illegally to Todd. And he has, like, so many of them. Jeez. And I'm telling you guys, if you watch this documentary on ID, they end up going into the garage where he supposedly kept Kayla and raped her and stuff. Mm-hmm. There are cans of beans, cans of soup, cans, 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 cans. It's like he was, like, preparing for doomsday or something or preparing to be at that property for longer than yeah. he was. It's so, but lots of food. It's very weird. And like, oh, it's just weird. It's weird. <laughs> um, so he ends up being charged with seven counts of murder, one count of rape, three counts of kidnapping. And state lawmakers at that time changed South Carolina state law. Um, and a bill was introduced that real estate agents um, must get a criminal background check every third time their license is renewed. And it was put into law in May of 2017. Good. There was another law that they made in 2006 mm-hmm. that said um, that only new real estate agents needed to get a license. So everybody who was already a real estate agent, they already got, they got grandfathered in. Okay. So they still didn't do a background check on this fucking guy. Jeez. Like, what are you thinking? And anyway, um... He also has two civil suits against him. Um, one is from the Superbike families, um, and one is from Kayla Brown. Good. Um, and then on May 26, 2017, he pled guilty, and he made a plea deal to avoid the death penalty. Um, so he's serving, like, seven consecutive life terms with no chance of parole as of right now. Wow. Um, Todd claims that he feels regret for killing the women, but not the men. So, in the Superbike murders, he feels no remorse about killing Brian Lucas, Scott Ponder, and Shuby. But he feels remorse about... This. <laughs> um, so, like I said, feels no regret for killing the women. Um, he talks about Beverly Guy. Um, he, he felt bad for killing her. He said, wrong place, wrong time. I'm just going to take 30 seconds. Look at how cute Luna looks. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, my cats are podcasting with us. Oh, my God. And Lane's oh, in Oh, look at Lane on her side. <laughs> Guys, I have two cats. Their names are Luna and Lane. And um, they're precious. 
They're precious little beans. And they're up here with us right now, and... They're both, like, napping, and they look adorable. They're so precious. I love them so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's, like, sleeping on her paws, like, like, when you put your hands under your head. Under your head, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're sweet girls. I love them so much. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> anyway, guys. We'll start... We'll stop um, talking about Kath. Um, uh, so he feels bad about making Coxie, and he also feels bad about the stuff that happened with Kayla, but he does not feel bad about killing... Johnny Coxie or Charlie Carver. No zero remorse. Um, He said he did not keep Kayla as a sex slave, which I think is complete crap. I I think it's bullshit. I think it's bullshit. Um, He said the sexual acts were consensual because she didn't fight him back. Because you um, said you'd kill her. Yeah, exactly. Like, you you were like, she'd be useless. And I'll kill you. You you said, if you're not going to do this, if you're going to be useless, then I'm not going to keep you. Like, of course she doesn't want to fucking die, so she's going to, you know, do what she has to survive. Um, Because she didn't fight back, and he, so he believes that this is consensual, um, he believes that she was a willing participant. Oh my God. And does not believe that she was, quote unquote, doing what she needed to do to survive. Which I think, even if there was a previous sexual relationship, mm-hmm. which, as far as I know, I only heard about that in the documentary. Mm. And I was like, what? I haven't read that about anywhere else. Wow. Okay. But this documentary, they had very, um, like, exclusive access to him. So I'm thinking yeah. that that's how they found that kind of stuff out. But all of the articles I read about this case never mentioned that. Okay. Um, but even if it was him... Or, or even if, sorry, guys, why? Even if, even if there was some sort of sexual relationship prior mm-hmm. to all of this happening, there's no excuse for chaining her up in your fucking shipping container. No, like that's not consensual. <laughs> not if you have slightly. to keep her, if you have to keep her chained up so that she doesn't run away, like that's not consensual, dude. Anyway, <laughs> um, and like I said, he allowed her to write letters. Um, in these letters. He said she asked for, like, just, like, weird things. Like, cuddle time and sex toys and da-da-da-da. I don't think she did that willingly. I think he asked her to write that. Um, Probably. Probably to incriminate herself. Yeah. I wouldn't... And, guys, I told you earlier, he has 118 IQ. He ain't no dummy. He's not stupid. Yeah. He's very smart. And so I think he did that... To maybe make her look bad mm. in some way. Um, but he, she asks for these things. She refers to herself as sweet kitten. I don't yeah. know why anyone wanna, would do that. that so it's very weird. <laughs> and there's a lot of emotional juxtaposition in these letters. She's very resigned and then she becomes angry. And then it seems like there's only almost a sort of acceptance to her situation. It's very uh. strange. So I'm thinking that these were not written... As something she wanted to specifically write. It was probably something that he asked her to do. Like, stood over her and was like, write this down. Yeah, he claims that that is not what happened, but I'm not sure I believe him so much. Yeah. Um, he, she also writes that she wants him to, to come back soon. I just, mm. I, I don't, yeah, I that's... really don't believe this. If, if, even if, like I said, even if there was some sort of sexual relationship, this is not acceptable. Yeah. Like, I don't no. care. I don't care. That's nasty. Um, he claims... That um, he does not just randomly pick people to murder. And like John Douglas's stuff, mission-oriented. And that's why they think that Kayla's abduction and Megan's abduction were very deliberate. 
because they want he wanted them specifically Mm -hmm. whereas in the super bike it was like no specific target yeah i think that they think that these were specific targets and that's why the men got were gotten rid of very quickly yeah and he always says it's some sort of robbery like i just don't that's just so weird that's just so weird um he be and here's something that I find really interesting. Um, he alleges that he was abused as a child. Um, his mother denies this, and his father denies this. But the FBI seems to think that there's some truth to it. That there's some sort of neglect mm-hmm. going on with him. They think that um, he possibly could have been quote unquote saved. Yeah. Had his family life been a little different. It doesn't help that his mother, like, it kept denying him, like, I want to go live with dad. And he, she was like, no. No, no. Yeah, like, exactly. It's weird. It, um, In the documentary, they talked to his dad. And he was like, oh, I was around for him all the time. Da, 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 da. But Todd has a very different, mm. uh, it, like, story about all of this. And so I tend to think when... There's, I tend to think when there are two completely different stories, that there is some maybe some sort of element of truth to both, but there's something wrong in this yeah. equation. There's not. There's there's a middle line that's each one is kind of touching, but it's, yeah, so neither I, one is telling the full truth. Exactly. I think that maybe Todd's dad was a little bit more neglectful than he said he was, and I think that Todd was a little bit more of a bad kid than he said he was. Trying to both paint themselves as good people, not as terrible of a person as they would be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. And so they 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 uh, prosecutors and um and investigators seem to think that there was some sort of abuse going on in his childhood. Nobody knows what that is. Yeah. But it's obviously there. Yeah, something's there. Um, something's going on. Um, Todd actually alleges that there are more victims. And like mm-hmm. I said, he told Kayla that his kill number was in the high double digits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, there's a whole 12-year gap between the Superbike murders and the Coxies. The murder yeah. of the Coxies. So it's totally possible. Um, guys, I remember when I said... He had an amateur pilot's license. He claims that there was some sort of quote-unquote hunt club going on in Juarez, Mexico, where he killed undesirable people for sport. Oh, my God. Like, that sounds like fucking movies. Like, I've seen... Criminal Minds episodes that are I like was going to say, I'm pretty sure that's a Criminal Minds episode. Yeah, they hunt them. Like, releases them into the woods and then hunts them like animals. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's weird. The FBI still has an open investigation, an open investigation into this. Wow. Um, but then he also alleges that there are some victims before uh, superbikes. Um, really? Yes. And uh, something interesting. So he says there's this hunt club in Juarez, Mexico, right? He lived in the hunt club apartments. In 2003, when his bike was stolen. So, that's like a weird... Yeah. What are you talking about here, dude? Um, he claims that there were two murders at the Hunt Club apartments that he committed. Um, and he says this was before his bike was stolen and everything happened with Superbike. Mm-hmm. Um, he claims the victims were um, the beginning of his downward spiral. And... Um, what happened, he claims, is other residents... 
at the Hunt Club apartments found out that he was a sex offender and began uh, um, harassing him. This is substantiated in uh, police rec- records that really? he complained or I or the apartment manager complained um, okay. that there were that there was harassment going on. Um, he says two men approached him in the middle of the night when he came home from working and one had a hammer and the other had had a knife and he stabbed both of them that's what he says and but just weird because he shot charlie carver he shot or and you know and he shot the coxies and he shot everybody at superbike so this is the only time he's quote unquote ever used a knife, a knife which is it doesn't seem like his weapon of choice. Yeah, So no. that's very weird. But also, he just got out of jail. He doesn't have a lot of contacts. It's possible there was no way for him to obtain a knife. Yes. And it's possible... Or oh, a gun, sorry. And it's possible that he has this knife because he's being harassed. Uh, and it's just like a weapon of opportunity. Yeah, and he just grabs it because he doesn't want to get hurt. Anyway, he says that he had both their wallets. And he knows their names, but he didn't know them personally. And these wallets have never been found. They don't know where they are. They they have never That's seen weird. these wallets. Um, he said that um, when, after he killed them, he brought them into his home, found things to wrap them in, and went outside to the parking lot and started pouring buckets of water onto the ground. To get rid of the blood. To get rid of the blood. Okay. Um, and then he dumped the bodies off of Interstate 26 um, between Spartanburg and Columbia, which mm-hmm. is... Where you live. Where I live, guys. <laughs> this is where he says he dumped it. I didn't live there in 2003, but still. Um, and he said it was an off um, off of a road that had a road end sign, and he dumped them in a ravine. There are no matching per- missing person records to mm-hmm. corroborate this, and no remains have been found. Although police did search at, um, exit 41 in Ennery. Um... But nothing was found mm-hmm. while they were there. They um, have tried to ask Todd to show them where the bodies are. Um, but he wants immunity from prosecution or the death penalty. And he'll only take them out there if they sign this document. Mm-hmm. Which... To be honest, you're already in jail for the rest of your fucking life. Like, why do you care if you get prosecuted? Yeah. As long as I guess it's the death penalty. I mean, if you really don't want the yeah. death penalty, but don't say prosecution because you're already in jail for yeah, the rest right? of your life. Like, there's nothing you can do. Like, what? What's the point of that? And he's like, he said that he's very resigned to the fact that he's not ever getting out of jail. So, like, why would you care about prosecution? Yeah. I could see the death penalty, but whatever. Um, and so they uh, he asked for this, but he wants it signed by the attorney uh, attorney general of the state which i think is weird because why would you do that unless they were out of state or they were like people that were important or like yeah. why would you ask specifically for the state attorney general it's such to a sign that a bad crime that you know it could get you the death penalty exactly so now he claims because they won't give immunity that he doesn't know where the bodies are which i think is so stupid because if they're your first kills you're gonna fucking remember you're where those remember are. That. Like, that's... I mean, I don't care if there's no homicidal triad in your fucking life. You're that's gonna be important to you. Yeah, that's gonna be your most memorable crime. They're gonna. He claims that they're the beginning of his downward spiral. Like, wouldn't you remember where those you people, would definitely where remember the people that. who fucked up your life? Yeah, are like, I just don't. I don't get it. 
Um, there was a rape also in Tempe, Arizona that happened a couple of blocks from where he lived um, that had a very similar MO to the one that he did in 1986 that they that he was a person of interest in, but it ended up that he did not commit that crime. He also said when they asked him about it, he said that he did not commit that crime. Okay. And so that is why I'm inclined to believe that there are more victims is because it doesn't seem like he's lying. Like now he's been caught and he's like, I'm never getting out of here. I know my fate. so So I know my fate. So I just don't, I find it hard to believe that he's lying mm-hmm. because he told the truth about that. Yeah. There's also a bank robbery. I didn't read a lot about this. There wasn't a whole ton of information, but there's a bank robbery where like three people were killed, um, were shot, and they, he's a person of interest in that as well. Where was that? Carol- in South Carolina. South Carolina. Um, like I said, I didn't read a whole lot about it. I don't... He's never said anything about that. Okay. And like I, like I said, I, he's pretty forthcoming. I say that and doesn't, so, doesn't seem like his it doesn't, kind of and thing. He's not a bank robber, and especially if it was in this time period. And like I said, guys, I did not read about this at all. So don't, if you want to, like I said, if you want to send me some stuff and tell me, oh, I looked up more about this, cool, let me know. Yeah. Because, like, I, I didn't read up very much on this part. Because um, I wanted to talk to you guys specifically about the, the crimes we know he committed. Yeah. Um, He's a person of interest in that case, but there has been no charges filed. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't know if he did that or not. And he's never said, yes, I've done it or no, I haven't. So I, like I said, I'm inclined to believe him that there are more victims out there. It seems weird that there is an, a 12 year age gap. Do they age gap. Yeah. 12 year gap. <laughs> Sorry guys. Wine. Drink 19 crimes is good. 19 crimes is freaking great, man. Yeah. So sponsor us. We love you. What? Um, hey guys. Um, <laughs> So, this is kind of towards the end of my stuff. Um, there's no evidence that there are more victims as of right now. Do they ever say if they searched, like, all 95 of his acres? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, I would be, like, the first place I'd start. I would fucking <laughs> take that thing that, like, gives the, you images the, of the ground. The ground I mean, sonar. I'm sure they Radar. did. But any... I'm sure they did. But every article that I've read... Yeah. ...didn't say that they did that. Um, See, maybe they did and it just turned up nothing. Nothing. They didn't yeah, find it necessary yeah. to release I mean, maybe that. he's hiding victim. He had other properties out of state. That's what I'm telling yeah. you. He wasn't a real estate broker at that point, but he could have moved the bodies. Mm. He could have done anything. So who knows what's really going on. And as a real estate agent, you have access to all the houses you're mm-hmm. selling. Especially like, okay, so guys, I love Criminal Minds. I'll talk about it a lot. There's that episode <laughs> where there's the guy who's a construction worker and he hides the victims in like the foundations of his houses. Yep. He could have been fucking doing that. Who yeah, knows? Exactly. To be, I mean, guys, real estate agents, they have a lot of, they have a lot of stuff here. Like, they can have all of the access to, like, he could kill people in other homes. You yep. know, he could be burying them in backyards and not selling those houses for long periods of time. Exactly. There could be anything going on here. Who yep. knows? But let's just say, ending here, you know, Todd Kohlhepp is a piece of shit. And he murdered people for no fucking reason, and we hate him. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but um, I, I, I told you guys that I would kind of explain how I found out about this case. Um, my husband and I moved to uh, South Car- Columbia, South Carolina, which is the capital of South Carolina, um, in August of 2016. And this happened in November of 2016. Um, 
weird thing, I'm an opera singer. So you'll hear about that a lot. Um, Really, really good opera singer. (laughs) But I was like in the middle of a show when this happened, when they arrested him and they found out about all of this and da, da, da. I have a ton of friends from Spartanburg and they said this was a huge fucking deal. Everybody was fucking freaked because everyone knew him. Oh. They everyone knew him in some shape or form of him personally mm-hmm. acquaintance whatever and even people that he like did real estate things for like they thought he was weird yeah there was one even one lady and I didn't mention this before because I didn't really nothing happened with it so I didn't really find it it's relevant but I just didn't want to add details that were like maybe not needed yeah but she was like trying to buy a house and he was the real estate for agent for the house but she had her own real estate agent because you yeah. typically do that and um so that they can broker the deal exactly um together without you you really and so um she said that they found out about you know him being on the sex offender registry and they like they they reported him and nothing was done and like oh my God. he's talking about Guns and pornography and da 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 to his clients. Yeah, I'm oh telling you, people knew like <laughs> a lot of people knew that he that something was up, but he was very successful, and a lot of people knew him really well. And so when this happened, people were fucking freaked out. That because, would be like, too. <laughs> I know this guy, you know, and he's a fucking serial killer. Yeah. He's got seven people that we know of, and so um, I didn't find out about this case until a year later because. That's when he was convicted yeah. and sent to prison. And so I read about it a year later because when I was doing my show, I was just so busy. You there was like no way I was even paying attention to Facebook when you this were happened. In grad school. Exactly. So. so when I found out about this, I was like, shit, this happened the same weekend as my show. Like, what the fuck? So, guys, I was in South Carolina when he did this. That's so, um,. I was, like, there in August when he kidnapped these people. Like, that's crazy. And they, he, I don't know whether I believe or or not that he, that he dumped those two people's bodies on on Interstate 26. Yeah. It seems weird. I mean, it's possible that he went back Mm -hmm. and picked up their bodies and brought them somewhere else. Maybe animals dragged them away. Something. But but it's, it's, now that he's like, I don't know... Where they are, and I want the state attorney general to da da da. Yeah. I just think that there's something. Something m- off about that. Maybe more up here than we know. Yeah. But cheers, guys. This is the episode about uh, Todd Colehup, the. One screwed up motherfucker. South Carolina <laughs> asshole. South Carolina asshole. South Carolina <laughs> asshole. I'm sure there are more, but he's oh a dick, guys. And. He's thankfully in jail for a really long time. And if you guys want, we are going to be posting all of our sources to our website. Yeah, it'll, and um, it'll probably be in the show notes too. Yep, in the all show my YouTube notes. videos and so you can check out um, Buzzkiller Pod Buzzkillerspodcast.com. Yeah, that is us. We will have it so that you can listen to us up there soon. You can look at our Instagram, send us some messages, follow all of our social medias and everything. Yeah, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, um, and it's all at Buzzkillers Podcast. We have the domain name, guys. Yeah, we do. So (laughs) we fancy. We fancy. (laughs) Um, So there's no way that you won't be able to find us. 
And you can always send us an email at um, buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. But we also have a contact page on our um, website, which will send an email directly to us. So you don't necessarily have to do that unless Mm -hmm. you want to. And I highly recommend following our Instagram. Every week we'll share what wine we're going to drink. And you can drink along with us if you want. Yeah. We're trying new things. And our goal is to try and finish the bottle before we finish the story. And guys, I mean, I didn't. We're we're doing pretty good for people that don't really care for red wine. We're almost done with Mm, this. mm -hmm. This is actually not too bad. Guys, and they have an app, which is really cool. Mm. Um... A couple of wines have it, but um, like I said, we're drinking 19 Crimes. It's called 19 Crimes Uprising. Um, And if you have um, a phone, a smartphone, they have an app called Living Wine Labels. And what you do is you basically take a picture of the wine label and it talks to you. Mm -hmm. It's like animated. It's really interesting. Um, And it, because like obviously they don't have enough. Ooh, hello. I thought I put this on silent. Um... (laughs) They have, they don't have enough room on their um, bottle to obviously write out the whole crime. But it's interesting um, because they have these like mug shots, these um, interesting mug shots on the front. And it's almost like the the killer themselves, you know, is telling you you what's going on. Tells you their crimes. So cool. um, Check them out. um, Check out their app. Check out all of our social media and. yeah. Yeah. Every week we'll be bringing you new spooky, spooky spooks and spooky uh, spooks. <laughs> yeah, spooky spooks. And uh, we're gonna have themes every month. So like this month we have hometown murders, and we'll announce the beginning of every month what's going on. And everybody, if you have a case that you want us to cover, tell us. Please tell us, and we will try to work it into some theme or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be months where we have no theme and we're just like this is whatever we want to do it's a random theme months because these don't fit anywhere (laughs) these don't necessarily fit with anything we have planned but that's fine we can just do no theme months and whatever so like i said guys follow us we're super cool people (laughs) we drink lots of wine and um, we like cats we like cats and crime so um Listen to Buzz Killers every week. We're going to be posting on um, Sun. Well, we're going to be recording on Sundays, posting on like the Mondays. next Sundays, posting the next Sunday. Yeah. So every Sunday, every Sunday you'll get an you'll episode. get new content from <laughs> us. Um, and we'll hop back and forth from who tells stories, and we'll have even some um, cases where we both cover cover it and we both have um certain topics we talk about well there there will definitely be multi-parters because there are some people yeah like, we mentioned the toy box killer earlier like guys there are gonna be, be whole months that are probably gonna be devoted to like one person yeah, specifically it'd be like jeffrey Dahmer month <laughs> there that's the topic jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. I, I just want to talk about him um and you know ted bundy he's one of my favorites i really want to cover him and yeah. a ton of new documentaries came out about him last summer a bunch so or this past year you know if you are in quarantine like us oh yeah guys so please we- stay safe and healthy you know wear a mask in public i mean i don't i don't know i don't know how much <laughs> they do but it makes me feel better that <laughs> people are breathing their germs all over me um <laughs> don't look at me, don't look at me. <laughs> um but yeah so that's todd Colehep, the um one of our cases from south carolina um next week we'll be covering one of Nicole's cases from her hometown. I'm not going to tell you where that is 
because there is a case coming up that is for both of us. If you want a little sneak peek, go on our social media. We did post like what states we're in. So yeah. So, so follow our social media and you'll get more hints than we give you in the show. <laughs> okay, everybody. I'm well, you guys might notice I like Miranda Sings. She's funny. I don't know if you know Miranda Sings. I don't. But okay, well, I'll show you videos. She's funny. But I will probably be saying like this. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, well, everybody. We will see you next week. We'll see you next week. Let's clink. Let's clink to that. Clink. Clink. Clink.